If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Genesis 24, because we are going to cover 67 verses in this message. Even if you leave, I will stay up here finishing 67 verses of this message. Yeah, there you go. So, um, because it is such a narrative that is so intricately connected and tied together, um, and there's quite a bit of repetition here, I'm going to try to move through this chapter this morning, which is ironic to me that chapter 22 was five sermons, (laughs) and chapter 24, Lord willing, will be one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Let I pray, help us not to take it flippantly, Lord, or, or to take it lightly that we have your precious, inerrant word. And Father, I believe there is a potent, powerful, precious message in this chapter we need to hear. And I pray that we wouldn't lose the forest for the trees, but Father God, you would impress upon us in, deep into our hearts what is being communicated here in this chapter. Lord, we love you and we wish to grow in godliness. We want to be greater servants of you, Lord God. And so I pray that this time would would help in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Really quick, if you don't happen to have a Bible, um, go ahead and raise your hand and, and we'll get one to you so you can follow along. So, Genesis chapter 24. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter before we walk through it. I'll be reading it as we walk through it. One of my favorite things to do when I meet a brand new couple is I like to hear their story of how they met. It's just kind of a way you can figure out who they are, kind of their background a little bit. Lord willing, maybe even their testimony of how they became believers, but I like hearing the story of how two people met. Um, Amber and I met in a nursery, not that kind of nursery, but flowers kind of a nursery. And um, I remember just as plain as day, right there, it's like it happened yesterday, um, our boss said, Dan, this is Amber. And my very first thought immediately was, wow, she's short. Um, <clears throat> but cute, short and cute. Um, and it's just interesting how that moment is frozen for me. Just go right back there right now. Probably nobody here has an identical story to Isaac and Rebecca's coming together, because it's in a very interesting story, and I doubt there's too many arranged marriages in the house this morning. So chapter 24 in Genesis tells a story of Isaac and Rebecca coming together as husband and wife. Now, let me just go right to the center of this before we even start. The main objective in my heart, and I think in this passage, is recognizing the Almighty's sovereignty and providence in ordinary details of life. I do not believe there's such a thing as ordinary details of life. So, that's I gave you the application. If you want to leave now, don't. But chapter 24, now Abraham was old well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, 
that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But I will, but will go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife from my, for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land, He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. This first chunk I'm calling Abraham's faith-driven request. If there's a common denominator of of this whole storyline, all these chapters we've seen so far with Abraham, it is to see a man growing in faith, a man maturing in faith, a man who at first, when the Lord came to him, calls him in chapter 12 and says, leave your kindred and follow me and go to a land that I will show you. He walks in faith, not knowing what's happening. He has no way that he can actually, there's no crystal ball. There's no, nothing he can see. Only the word of God saying, come and I will do this when you get there. And I'll tell you when you're there. And Abraham as a man of faith has matured. We saw him with Hagar and Ishmael, where he wasn't trusting the Lord in that moment, rather trying to do it on his own. We saw where he lied and told his wife to say that you're my sister, because obviously the Lord can't protect us. But we've also seen him go and rescue Lot, rush to Lot's rescue. We saw him, in an incredible way, petition the Lord in reference to um, Sodom and Gomorrah, that the Lord would not destroy that. And so it's, it's... Nothing helps me see the word better than preaching it. Because there's a, there's a sense of forced to the text. You must handle this text. You must know the ins and outs of this text. And i got to say, beloved, as I've been studying through Genesis, particularly with Abraham, I have been so profoundly impacted by God in his kindness, how he works with us in our weakness how he grows as patiently. If there's one thing I'm not, it's patient. And if there's one thing God is, it's patient. And as the Lord so, so calmly, lovingly, tenderly, and yet like a, like a really good dad, patiently moving with Abraham, stretching Abraham, calling Abraham, and making Abraham grow in his faith. Chapter 24 Obviously, chapter 22 and the offering of Isaac is like the crescendo of seeing that. But Abraham's not dead yet. Because he had one massive step of faith there with Isaac does not mean his race is over and does not mean he shouldn't be acting in faith after that. And so in chapter 24, we see that Abraham hasn't fallen off the map. We haven't seen that Abraham has lost his faith in God. If anything, this is Abraham in his older years, well advanced in years, coming to his servant and saying, 
God has a plan and I need you to do this. And even the request that he makes to this servant, asking him to go and find somebody in my homeland, over a 500-mile journey for this guy to go and search out for a wife for his son Isaac. Isaac is staying here. This promised land, this land God told us to stay at, Isaac is not leaving here to go to another land. I don't think there's anywhere in Genesis where Isaac ever leaves this land. He's staying here. So I'm sending you, my oldest trusted servant, to go and find a wife for my son. This, this, what he does here, putting his hand under the thigh of Abraham, I, numerous commentators have many differing, varying concepts of why they did that. I'm not going to say it's one or the other. I really am not sure. All I know is that that has something to do with the authority of Abraham and this man committing before Abraham, I will go and do this. There's a heightened level of seriousness going on here between this servant and Abraham. Abraham's not playing games. Abraham truly believes God will direct you to a wife for my son. Now, at some point you might go, man, this seems pretty heavy. Why is he going so strong about this for a wife for Isaac? Well, remember who Isaac is. Remember the promises that are surrounding Isaac. This is the child of promise. This is the one that God promised he would have. And not only that, but Abraham's been promised that as as you look up at the stars or you look at the grains of sand, so will your offspring be. Well, that's going to come through this promised child. But he's got to have a wife. And so what I find very interesting is that Abraham is not lackadaisical in it. He's not lazy in it. At the same time, he's absolutely trusting God in it. There's a principle there, beloved, that we must not move too quickly beyond where he is working, he's doing, he's planning, but patiently waiting. I don't know about you, but I find myself on both sides of that as a pendulum. I rarely find that sweet spot of, okay, I'm working and trusting, working and trusting. Sometimes I'm working really hard and not trusting. Sometimes I'm trusting and being maybe too... I don't know, waiting too long. Rather, Abraham says, I want you to go and find a wife for my son. And as you go, I trust the Lord will bring this about. And he had him swear to his master he would do this. Now look at the faith-driven pursuit of his servant. Verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women uh, go out to draw water. And he said, and we'll see this later in this chapter, he's saying this to himself. This is a prayer of the servant of Abraham. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please. Do you see the dependency? Please. Please grant me success today. Show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. 
Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. I find it very fascinating. You see this periodically in the Old Testament scriptures where this concept of, Lord, I am absolutely desperate and it's to a point of my dependency upon you that I'm asking, could you give me such clarity that I have no doubt in my mind you are guiding me and directing me here? That, that, that's the woman. That's the one that you want, Lord. And if I say this and she says this, <laughs> now I don't know about you, I'm rarely that specific in my prayer life. Maybe um, perhaps I should be far more specific in my prayer life. But this man, I guess the main hub, the main point I want to show you is in faith, he's asking the Lord, please lead me on this one. I want success for my master. I want to see your hand in this. You ever been there where you've got some massive decision coming around the corner? Maybe some light decision coming around the corner. And you start to pray, you ask your friends to pray, perhaps you ask your pastor to pray for you, and as you're praying, you're saying, Lord, I'm praying, but I'm not getting an answer, I'm not sure what to do. Ever been there? I'm sure every single one of you has been there at some point for something. I've been there many times, just like you have, where you're saying, Lord, I want to walk in obedience, I don't want to be stagnant, at the same time, I don't want to be ahead of you. I don't want to be ahead. I don't want to be behind. I want to be walking in the will of God. I want clarity, Father. Would you show me clarity in this? And sometimes it's super direct, as what's going to happen here with the servant of Abraham. Sometimes it's not as direct. But nonetheless, what's so cool is time passes by, and you look behind yourself, and you say, God was all over that thing. He was everywhere in that. Would have been interesting if that day my boss came over and whispered in my ear, that's your future wife in the nursery. To which I would have kindly said, no way. And yet, in God's providential, beautiful design, he's guiding and drawing me there. Well, in the same way, this servant of Abraham is in pursuit of the will of God for Isaac. I found it very fascinating that nowhere in the text are we told the name of this guy. Now, it is kind of interesting because some folks have, have wondered if this was Eliezer, uh, the servant of Abraham, but this would have been so many years past when he was named earlier. It's possible, but we don't know. The text doesn't say. All we know is he's the oldest and the wisest servant of Abraham that he selects to go on Abraham's behalf and to find a wife. Well, now we encounter this promised woman, or this hopefully promised woman. Verse 15, Before he'd finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, so we're back to the kinsmen of Abraham, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom, not, whom no man had known, she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, I love that he ran. <laughs> this guy is eager. Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And what's she supposed to say? 
You remember how this works? I say this, she says that, boom, wedding ring, right? Here we go. Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand, uh, upon the jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Now, there's the white spaces of the Bible that are always fascinating to me because over a 500-mile journey this guy just traveled, nothing said about the journey. Nothing said. I don't know about you, when I travel 500 miles, lots is said, lots is done, so many things happen, but nothing is given to us in the text. And then here, again, I'm so curious, what is rushing through the mind of this man in this moment? Think about the prayer that he had with the Lord. Lord, I want to say this, she says this, and that you, I'm thick scold, Father, would you give me clarity on this one, that this is the right person? And so he says, give me a drink, and she gives him a drink, and now she says, let me water your camels also. Verse 20, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. Now, this woman is beautiful, intelligent, and buff. Because the work that was needed to water that many camels and the, the size of the jar for her to be able to pack that water was gallon after gallon after gallon after gallon of water. And so it's kind of an interesting image to think of this man with his camels there and this man standing there watching this woman pouring sweat, rushing back and forth, back and forth, watering these camels would be an incredible feat of strength. And so I just find it I think it's kind of cool how it gives the, the explanation of this woman is, is, yes, beautiful, yes, intelligent, but also very strong, very generous. What a great fit, you know. Um, I don't know about you. If I'm a dad looking for a wife for my son, um, that's, a, that's quite a task. But if somebody else asked me to find a wife for his son, I would feel a bit of pressure to do this right. Especially, I have no doubt that to some level, this servant had a concept in his mind that Isaac is the promised child from Abraham. Abraham has shared what God has done, what God is doing, and what he's going to accomplish here. Could you imagine the weight on the shoulders of this servant with the task he's been asked to do? I don't know about you, that caused me to pray. And to be pretty specific in my prayer request and asking the Lord to lead me well in finding this wife for my, servant, for my master's son. Verse 21, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. You've been there too, I'm sure, I have, where you're trying to do your best to know, is this really what the Lord had? Is this it? Am I, being, am I, am I on a rabbit trail or am I truly tracking with what God wants of me and what, what the Lord's leading me? do. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? 
This guy's asking a bunch. She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. This is so cool. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. Not her. (laughs) He drops to the ground, throws his head to the ground in absolute adoration, and I would add amazement at what God has just done here. Now, clarity is coming. God's will is becoming very, very clear to him. This is right. This is what's supposed to happen. Um, Nowhere in the passage does it make any reference to him going after this gal and this gal and this gal and this gal and hitting a, a blank every time. It seems to indicate he went directly to Rebecca. I don't know, but it seems to indicate that from the text. And this man, in seeing God's provision and God's care for him and clarity for him, leads him to just fall on his face before the Lord and thank him. I've been there before with people when... There's been a a tremendous answer to prayer, something that they'd been praying for for a long, long time, seeking the Lord's will, praying about it, and then seeing that come to fruition. And one of the sweetest prayers, some of the sweetest prayers I've ever heard, was a prayer of gratitude for an answered prayer. Where somebody just goes, oh, hold on a second. We just got to stop and thank God for this. Because if if somebody would have told us this would have happened... 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I wouldn't have believed it at all, and yet this is so clear. The Lord has answered this. He's given great clarity. Let's stop right now and just thank him in worship. As this servant sees this woman, hears what she has just said in reference to being a relative of Abraham's, plenty of room for them to come and stay. He's given her this, these three gold rings. He can't help but stop and worship the Lord. God, you are in every detail of this whole thing. And it's undeniable. I'll show you even further how much more undeniable it is. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord, verse 27, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way of the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. And I, beloved, please don't miss this. Um, throughout this chapter, how many times you hear, the Lord has done this, the Lord has done this, the Lord has done this. Nobody says, hey, what a coincidence. Who would have guessed that chaos would lead to this? Nobody has, that mindset is nowhere in the text. Verse 29, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels 
So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. Very much against the common practice of that day. If there was talking or particular things that needed to be negotiated or discussed, it would be done after you wash your feet, after you sit down and you've eaten. But this man has urgency in his heart. He just traveled over 500 miles. He just happened to, quote unquote, bump into this gal that perfectly fits with what he was looking for. And now he's there with the brother and the brother goes, well, let me make some pizza. No, hold on a second. Hold on. This has got to be dealt with right now. We've got to deal with this right now. There's a sense of urgency in his heart. So Laban says, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and has become great. He's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. Now, beloved, this is very much um, a a repeating what we already know. I know that, but just consider how this lands on the ears of Laban and of his mother, of his father, and of his sister. So we're seeing it through their lens now. From his lens, he just lived it. But now he's saying, you won't believe the story that I'm about to tell you what I just went through. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. Verse 39, I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath. When you come to my clan and if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So, I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son." Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came. She came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way. I love that to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right 
hand or turn to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. And let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. Hear how the testimony of this guy landed on the ears of these two men? I said this, I said this, I, I, I asked the Lord that he'd give clarity in this way, I asked him he'd give clarity in this way, I asked him he'd make this clear, and it, everything came together as God's will unfolded before my very eyes. That would have been kind of interesting and maybe more of a father's approach to respond by saying, nope, get out of here. <laughs> but there's an undeniable aspect here where their response was, this is God. I don't have a further explanation. This is the living God in his incredible providential care and direction. She's yours. That's a pretty hefty response from a, from a family to this man who came out of nowhere and is making a request such as this. Now, I realize that in this time and, and some of the customs of this time, that's not as obscure or strange as it is in our day. But they're still humans. They're still people. There's still a reality here where a perfect stranger came and said, I want your daughter and here's why. I've been searching out. I asked God. I begged God. I asked him for clarity. And it's been nothing but clarity to their reaction is, that's God's doing. And I don't dare argue with God in his doing. So you take her and make her part of your family. They recognized God's providential care in this. Look at verse 50, 50, um, 52. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Remember, there's a sense of urgency here, you guys. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while. At least 10 days after that, she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? It's so funny. There's her reaction. I'll go. <laughs> so they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. It happened. The prayer request has been answered. Abraham, by faith, requested this. This servant, by faith, moved, traveled so far, really putting his neck out for Abraham in obedience to his master and the God of his master. And God, with great love, patience, and clarity, directed him right to Rebekah. 
Here's this best part of the story. 61. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac, oh, that's right, there's Isaac, had returned from Ber Lehei Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It's my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death, and they all lived happily ever after. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite portions in the book. But maybe not for the reason you're thinking, because let me draw a little bit of application and, and land the plane. It is, it's a pretty story. I mean, it's, it is a, to hear this man who just lost his mom and all the promises that have been made to him and Abraham walking in faith and the servant walking in faith and then meeting her, there's, there's, there's a love there, a comfort there after the loss of his mom. It's beautiful. There's a romantic category to this story. But you can watch Hallmark later today. That's not where I'm going to go. Beloved, I think at times we don't look at the world rightly. I know at times we don't look at the world rightly. Here's a question for you to ponder. Just think about. What's an ordinary day? What's a day that's ordinary? What's a day that's the same or boring or just regular? What is that? For the Christian, that shouldn't exist. For the Christian, there is no ordinary days because the reality is that we have a sovereign God in charge of absolutely everything, working all things together for good, for His good purpose. And so there's no ordinary day because here's the thing. You could read this passage and your atheistic neighbor could read the same passage and the atheistic neighbor comes away going, what a pack of coincidence where you could read it and you could come away going, the clarity of the providence of God is all over this story. You see the worldviews? You see the way, the scope, you're looking through this, this lens into this world? You see how the world robs God of His great glory that is so, He's so deserving of it? As the Lord is sovereignly holding all things together, we're told in Christ, all things consist. He's keeping it held together. And so many with their tongues just use that tongue to, to slander him, to use his name as a swear word, with no gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining me. Thank you, Lord, for keeping breath in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, for watching over me. But beloved, that's the atheist. They're lost, deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually. What about you? 
you who know this theologically, you who are aware of this theologically, you who are grounded in this theologically, that yesterday where you found yourself in an ordinary day, the sovereign king of the universe sustained everything in that moment. Right now, you're saved because of the blood of Christ. This world spinning, this world, all the potential chaos that could come about, there's order, there's beauty. The living God is in sovereign control of it all. This woman did not come by accident to this man. And what I love about the text is throughout the passage, the servant says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You did it. It was your hand doing this. I didn't, it's not me, it's not what I've done. God, you were at work in this. You were providentially caring for your servant Abraham, for his son, and for myself. You brought all this together. See, guys, what does that change in the life of an individual once they're born again and they have the knowledge that, wow, this really isn't by mistake? All the stuff that has come about is not by mistake. My pain is not by mistake. My joy's not by mistake. There is somebody in sovereign control of it all. God is deeply involved in the details of our lives. You've heard the stupid phrase that the devil's in the details. No, God's in the details. The Lord is powerfully, powerfully at work in the details. So here's my challenge to you and just the punch of this message. I feel ashamed of how many times I have robbed God of his glory where he was so evident in how he brought something together. And I had, through whatever happened, I had not stopped to say, God, I recognize you in that. I thank you in that. I see your sovereign care in that. May I never, ever, ever give credit to circumstances coming together because it just happened to come together. God, may I not be a Christian who looks to coincidence, but a Christian who rests on the sovereign God who's in absolute control. Second piece and I, I'm not sure exactly how to put it, there's a, there's a practice here by this servant and by Abraham that has impacted my heart as well in reference to complete patient waiting on the Lord while simul- simultaneously moving and walking in obedience. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do you acknowledge God in all your ways? Do you have a way that he's not involved in? Do you acknowledge him in everything that happens? Or does he take a back seat in a couple categories of life? One of the deepest convictions of my heart is I know how many times well, sometimes not even aware of it, how many times I rob God of the glory due his name and I give it to either myself, some other person, or actual sometimes chaos, because we say, oh, 
That's amazing how that happened. Well, yeah, it's amazing, but it didn't just happen. The Lord is in control of that. So, beloved, I challenge you to remember a God consciousness. Nothing's going by mistake. He has a purpose, a goal. And I don't know about you, as a naturally pretty fearful person, man, does that ever give me a huge pillow to rest my head, my head on to know that I, I have somebody I can trust in this. Father, I thank you that you, in your kindness, through your inspiration of your spirit, pen down this lengthy narrative. For Lord, the details are not wasted. I pray the details are not wasted upon us of what happened here and what you did in the life of Abraham, his servant, Rebecca, her family, the other servants. Lord, the amount of variables in this story that could throw off your game plan are incalculable. And yet it completely rose to your perfect end. Dear God, please help me not to think of days as ordinary days, but days where you have so graciously sustained me. Bless your people, Lord. I I pray that perhaps they've been freshly wowed at the God who has purchased us by the sending forth of his Son. For you truly are, Lord, awesome. Amen.